Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Who's seen Cool Runnings before? Show of hands. All right, that's just about everyone. Um, 1993 it was released. Yeah, yeah. Based on a true story. So the story goes that in real life, a bunch of Jamaican sprinters, 100-metre sprinters, Summer Olympics, got tripped in the qualifiers for the uh, 88 Games, which is the same year as the Winter Games that time. Not sure why. Anyway, um, but they didn't qualify because they got tripped. So they took up bobsledding, a sport that they knew nothing about, Um, They'd never seen snow or ice and they just went for it. So it's it's kind of true, but the movie takes a lot of creative licence. It'd be a bit of a boring story, a bit of a nothing story, without the comedic script um, in the movie. So anyway, it's a story about, um, in in my opinion, it's a story about what makes a good leader and... How, how hard work always pays off. Um, and it's, it's also about how, as we go through life, we unearth these gifts and talents, or God can unearth them in us later in life as we find our path and we walk in the will of God. And so whilst the movie doesn't talk about that from a theological perspective, I find that there's so much that we can learn from living in God's plan and... Um, walking in his will and also reaching our own potential. So I feel like if I can sum up this movie in one line, it would be, and to take a lesson out of it, it would be to lead yourself into your God-given potential. I don't know if you've got the slides here, um, but anyway, we'll go to clip two. Anyone, everyone on the bar tables there, just in your best Jamaican accent, can you say, oh, the back is nice? <laughs> go, one, two, three... Terrible. All right. That was off script and I regret doing that. Thanks very much. (laughs) Anyway, lesson number one that I want to take out of this movie. Um, Lesson number one is good leaders do whatever it takes. Good leaders do whatever it takes. Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, a lot of, a lot of our life lived as Christians is done in quiet places, in secret spaces, in the privacy of the presence of God. And leadership is like that too. And if you watch the whole movie through and through, we see Derice, the driver, reluctantly taking on the position of driver, knowing full well that he may not be up to the task, but willing to do it anyway. Even though he wasn't qualified, he was willing to do it anyway. And so throughout the movie, he is the main character and you see how his leadership gift evolves and you see how his uh, natural ability with bobsledding evolves as well because of the things that he does in private and the extra bit of work that he does above and beyond his teammates. So I feel like this verse from Colossians is as much general life advice for the everyday person um, as much as it is 
leadership advice for the people who are leading our country, who are leading organisations, who are at the top of their game. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. In my Bible, Colossians 3, has the whole chapter has a heading that says rules for holy living. And I feel like, I feel like we don't enter into our God-given potential without holding ourselves to a higher standard. We don't enable God to work within us without doing whatever it takes to be a good leader. Whenever, whenever we see what other people are doing, as long as we're doing more, God sees that and God wants to use that and God will utilise that for his purposes and for his glory. Whether you're a leader or not, working within your God-given potential with your skills and abilities is enough. And I want to I pull that quote from um, John Candy, Coach Blitzer, and it says... The driver has to work harder than anyone. He's the first to show up and the last to leave. When his teammates are all out drinking, uh, I don't know if I can use that word in church, so we'll just um, put in a healthy substitute. He's up in his room studying pictures of turns, turns on a, uh, on a bobsled course. You see, the driver must remain focused 100% at all times. Not only is he responsible for knowing every inch of every course that he races. He's also responsible for the lives of the three people in his sled. That's a bit to take on. That's a bit to sign up for. No wonder he was reluctant. His body language was so reluctant in that scene. Anyway, good leaders prepare for the twists and turns that they see in their life, in their ministry, in their calling. And they may not be able to see the twists and turns that come up, but they can do all that they can to see that. So a later scene in the movie, you see Doris, who is in his hotel room um, waiting for the Olympic qualifiers. He's in Calgary, his mates are out at a bar and he has got a whole wad of photos, old school, and he's just flicking through them one by one and they're in order of the turns on the bobsled course. So he's trying to memorise turn eight. Okay, that's a, an acute left turn. Turn nine, that's a sweeping right turn and he's trying to get the course mapped out in his mind so he can be prepared for everything that comes his way. I was, um, I was watching an interview from a, a boxer, an amateur boxer this week and um, he was talking about the two things that make boxers really good or set them, out, set them above each other. And it wasn't a training regime, it wasn't nutrition, it wasn't good sleep, it wasn't having the right people around you, it was two things and it was intuition and instinct and the way he explained it, I'd never heard it before, but intuition as he explained it was that when you feed your mind with knowledge, when you study your opponent, when you understand the combos that they put on you, understand their strengths and weaknesses, whereabouts in a boxing match of 12 rounds, that they are really strong or really weak, that's intuition when you're trying to learn where you can exploit them. So going on the attack. And then he, ex then he explained how intuition is something a little bit higher and that's the way you're able to react to your opponent. And intuition is only given through, ex or only uh, got through experience and understanding and using um, and and using that intuition to build your instinct. It drives their reactions. Anyway, lesson two from what I want to take out of this second clip. Good leaders aren't always the most qualified. 
So I feel like if you've ever sat in church and you've heard a leadership talk, it would have taken a bit of this kind of theme, that we look at all the characters in the Bible that took on high leadership tasks and they were not qualified. In some, in some respects, they were the least qualified. So you think about Moses. Moses was a slave. He was a Hebrew slave. He had a speech impediment. But by the grace of God, he grew up in the palace of Egypt. Palace? I guess it's called that. And he became a powerful leader for the Hebrew people. The same with Joseph. Joseph um, was uh, just a humble agricultural worker, one of uh, 13 kids, 12 kids, and he uh, was thrown into some really bad situations. He was thrown into captivity and then became the second most powerful person in the known world. And then David. David was a shepherd boy, just hanging out with sheep, just doing his thing, minding his own business, and then God used him to go on the battlefield and then built on that victory into um, a huge legacy for the kingdom of God. One of my favourite verses about leadership, you probably won't even find it in any kind of Christian leadership book. And it's, it's this account from Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John are in front of the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin is the Jewish council, and the, they're, they're the legal eagles. They're the big wigs. They're the smartest Jews in all the land. And they're trying to quiz these guys, these humble disciples, about their faith in Jesus. They're trying to figure it out for themselves. And these guys were, as Acts 4.13 says, ordinary, unschooled people. And the scriptures say that they took note of Peter and John as they just publicly exclaimed their love for Jesus. And I love that because it shows that the least qualified can overturn and overrule the most qualified. Um, And that is the case for anyone on earth today. You don't have to be the most qualified. You don't have to be the most experienced. You just have to be the most willing to do whatever it takes. Um, And we see that in Cool Runnings. Peter and John didn't deserve to be in front of the council. Um, They didn't do anything wrong, but they just didn't... They didn't have the social standing to talk to these guys. And it's the same with the Jamaican bobsledders. They had no right to compete with people who were pushing bobsleds at two years old in the Swiss Alps, who'd grown up living it, breathing it, uh, who were generations of bobsledders and and Olympians, elite athletes. And then these guys, fictional or non-fictional, have come in. They didn't deserve to be there. And that's exactly what... Every leadership example in the Bible is all about. They didn't deserve to be there because of the grace of God. Can we play clip three, please, the final clip? That's, uh, that's the final scene. So, sorry if you haven't seen it before. I was real on the end. You've had 28 years to get out from underneath your rock and uh, watch that brilliant movie. Anyway... <laughs> um, If I can take one lesson away from this movie, it'd be that line where Doris is horizontal and he goes, we have to finish the race. But I'd add add two more words to that. I'd say, we'd have to finish the race with dignity. Um, And they did that. They certainly did that. So what they proved in that moment, in that final scene, is that you don't have to be the best. You just have to do your best. And that commands glory, that commands honour, that commands respect 
from people and from God as well. And that's what God calls us to. It doesn't matter um, that you're not the best at something. It doesn't matter that uh, you're running out of um, running out of success. That you stuff things up like they did. Um, it just matters that you you do your best and you have a go. And we see that in that scene. The people that start clapping are the ones in the movie that really maligned the Jamaicans, that really actually bullied them, started up punch-ups in bars with them. Um, They hated the Jamaicans because they didn't deserve to be there. They hadn't earned the right to to represent their country in bobsledding. And so the whole movie runs this theme as an undercurrent through that. But we have to finish the race with dignity. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 12 says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. And Hebrews 12, 1 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If I can leave you with one thought, I'll leave you with this. And it's no matter what happens on your life journey, crossing the finish line with dignity and honour is so important. I wasn't going to throw this... Um, I wasn't going to throw this example into my sermon, but I think um, over, over the last week I've been watching this story unfold of Tim Payne. So Tim Payne is the uh, former... Australian cricket captain. He's been the captain since 2017. How he came into the position of leadership, and people anecdotally say that it's the most second powerful position in Australia behind the Prime Minister. It's our national sport. It's not a joke. Um, People say that. People say that because um, we hold this position in such high esteem and we're so proud of our cricketing culture and history. But Tim Payne was brought in as cricket captain because of some controversy from the previous captain um, and the leadership group. So he was brought in not because of his statistics. His his statistics don't weigh up on the international stage. He's actually not that great a cricketer, um, internationally speaking. But he was brought on because he was a family man, married for a long time, two kids, and always held himself and carried himself in a degree of dignity. Little did we know of this previous, um, previous sin, I guess you'd say, so that, he, that he's conducted and cleared of, but it's come to the top, it's come to the boil. And so he is 36 years old. He was coming into this summer, probably going to be his last as captain because cricketers don't last longer than 36, really. So it was probably going to be his last as captain. He was almost there. He was almost at the finish line. He would have had a great legacy as a leader, carrying himself with dignity and respect, but for this controversy. And I'm not going to go into the details of it. They're still being unearthed. But the difference between his leadership and Doris's leadership is that Doris's character was greater than his potential. And that comes, that comes to the top, that comes to the surface in that final scene. It didn't matter that they didn't finish the race. It mattered how they carried themselves over that finish line. And so I want to I put this metaphor to you tonight as I wrap up. Life is like a bobsledding race. Yeah? So 
come with me on this one. We, as Christians, as people who need to step into the will of God, as people who need to use our gifts, our talents, and go into what he calls us to, are required to stand at the top of the hill. And it's up to us to give that first push off. God calls us into his will, his plan, and all we need to do is say yes, is to start that something, is to go, all right, I don't know where we're going to go, I don't know how fast or how wild this journey is, don't know if I'm going to make it to the finish line, don't know how rough it's going to be, but God, I'm going to say yes, I'm going to get some momentum. And it's God who steers It's God who gains the momentum once we've said, yes, God, it's I'll do it. I'll I'll go for it. Don't know what I'm doing. Got no idea. I need you and I'm doing it for your glory. And I'm going to carry myself with dignity. I'm going to carry myself with respect. I'm going to do it for your glory. And that last slide in that clip says that the Jamaicans went back to their country as heroes and they returned to the Olympics four years later as equals. What a way to write the end of that story. Yeah? They finished 29th out of 29 at the 88 Olympics. That's that's the true part of the story. They barely even finished. That's to use that word finish is a bit of a stretch. But I don't I don't know what is installed for each and every individual here in this room. You may not even know how your life is going to pan out. You might be sitting here thinking, I don't know what I'm gifted in. I don't know what I'm talented in. I don't know what God's calling me to. You might even be towards the end of your life and you're thinking, well, I hope I got it right. I don't know. A bit too late now. Um, But have you carried yourself with dignity? Have you done whatever it takes? Have you worked at it with all your heart? Have you been a good and faithful servant? Have you signed up? to what God had asked you to and say, you know what, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll just push that bobsled down the hill and you do the rest. I'll steer, I'll use the accelerator, I'll brake if I need to, but God, just keep me upright and I'm going to be obedient in this race of life. And so I want to I want to pray over this because this is this is something to this is something to wrestle with. Yeah? You might be unaware of what God wants for you. And Probably, if someone looks behind their life, looks back upon their life and thinks, you know what, I had no idea that that was going to happen. We, we just don't know what God has installed for us. So, but this is the stuff that people wrestle with, every individual. And if you're not wrestling with it, I challenge you to do so. Because when you do wrestle with it, you're saying, God... I want to do what you want me to do. I want to step into my God-given potential. Be that ever so big or so small, it doesn't matter. Stretch me, use me, help me to be on that journey in a dignified way. So can I pray for everyone here? Yeah? Father God, thank you so much that you have created an individual plan for every individual in this room. Be that big, be that small, be that here, be that there, be that now, be that in the future. We don't know but you know, and we trust in you. We trust that you are going to bring to the top our gifts, our talents, our understanding, our intuition, our instinct, whatever else you can build in us. We just pray, Lord, that you will give that to us now as your spirit sits in this auditorium. May your spirit unlock whatever is needed to be unlocked tonight 
so that we can change the course of direction or we can start some momentum just by saying yes. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to move in the hearts and the lives of everyone here tonight for your glory and in your mighty name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.